What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Sober Plug Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Duffy. Hope everybody's having a tremendous day as usual at the time of this podcast. It's a pretty shitty overcast day today, but it's all good. Still another still another gift. Every day is a present, you know? So um, today I wanted to discuss a little bit about thinking about the consequences, you know? Playing the tape through, thinking about really staying on track as far as um, paying attention to the amount of evidence of why it is that we get clean to begin with, you know, because um, if you're going to get clean and you want to even give sobriety a, a, a thought at all, usually it takes a lot of pain. Usually it takes a lot of trouble. It takes certain circumstances in order to come to this revelation of, oh, wow, I really got to change my life, you know? Otherwise, why would you stop to begin with? I think a lot of people, I'll talk, I'll keep it on myself. When I first got clean, of course, the, the, the lifestyle change is difficult. Any type of lifestyle change is difficult in the beginning. You know, it's a process. I think when it comes to getting sober, it's very easy to focus on what you're missing. <laughs> you know, like, oh, oh, wow, you know, I miss getting high or I miss... Um, I have fear, you know, FOMO, fear of missing out. If, if maybe you're younger, I know that that's something that I had, uh, to definitely deal with. I, like I've said before, you know, I got sober at 20. And, and so being that young, I really had a fear of missing out, missing out on the fun and, and not being able to do normal, quote unquote, normal things that normal 20 year olds are doing. And, um, I think a lot of the things that were going through my head were basically a figment of my imagination. They were com a complete illusion and complete bullshit because the way that we can dress things up in our mind may not really be how it is. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't really match with reality. And so the idea that even though I was 20 and sure, most normal 20 year olds who don't have problems with addiction can party, they can have a good time in, in moderation, and maybe go to a concert, um, you know, once every couple months and, and let loose and be responsible and still have fun. You know what I'm saying? This was not the case for me. This was not my situation at any time. I mean, from the time I was really young, I clearly had issues with dependency and, and, um, what I, what I saw as fun in the beginning, um, did not play out as I got older, you know, the fun stops for me at a relatively, uh, young age. I mean, by the time I was, by the time I was 15 and 16, I mean, I, Sure, I still went to parties and had a good time, but I, I had serious addiction issues and the consequences were very prevalent by this time. And so what we usually try to, um, not even that we try to, what, what we end up romanticizing and dressing up our addiction in our thoughts is, uh, is a complete fantasy. And it's really important to understand this because our mind plays tricks on us. And so the idea of fear of missing out and, and having a good time and being able to do things that normal 20 year olds are doing, you know, this was my situation. 
that was never the case for me anyway. I was never, I was never using, uh, you know, recreationally a little bit here and there and, and practicing, uh, you know, safe, safe use and, and practicing harm reduction. There is no way that was never the case for me. I'm, I'm an all or nothing type of person, you know, and a lot of people are, um, that end up with issues. Now, of course you have people that, that maybe you don't use every day. Maybe it's not even, maybe it's like not even once a week, but when you go on binges and it becomes an issue, the problem is the lack of control that like once we start, we cannot stop. And that is certainly the case for me. And that was obvious in the very beginning, you know, even when I was just smoking weed. So the idea of fear of missing out, dressing things up as, as, um, in a romantic way, it's just not practical. It's just not reality. And the issue is, is when we don't accept reality for what it is, we end up struggling and suffering because we're constantly trying to change something that is not capable of being changed. I had to come to terms with the fact that I did not use like a normal person, you know, and fighting this truth, fighting this reality within myself was only going to hurt myself. It wasn't going to impact anybody else. It was just going to impact me. So I really had to change the way that I thought about my using. I had to realize like, all right, what I'm thinking of, what I, the way that I'm making it look out to be isn't even reality. What am I really, what's the, what's the fear underneath? You know what I'm saying? Okay, I have a fear of missing out. I have a fear of not being a normal 20 year old and being able to have, you know, what's what's the root problem of this? And the root problem really was that I wasn't comfortable being myself. I didn't know who I was. And I felt like I needed substances, uh, drugs, alcohol, whatever the case may be, as a lubricant to have fun. You know, that was my idea of having fun. And and it stemmed from, like I said, not being comfortable in my own skin. The, the problem was that I contributed, I contributed to letting loose and being able to relax and being able to um, network with people with getting high, you know, even though that wasn't really the case for me, because when I was getting high, I was isolated, you know, towards the end. I mean, I, I wasn't really, I wasn't really having a good time at all. I mean, it was, it was, it was really, really negative space to be in. And I was basically on my own Island, if you want to call it that, you know, I, I was actually towards the end, I was living in, um, in a, uh, a city in New York and it was, it was just a shitty, just a shitty spot to live. And, um, uh, there was nothing romantic about it. You know what I mean? And I look back and even when I was in, like, even when I was in that brief stint, I, I went to school, you know, I went to Buffalo for like four months and, um, I tried to do the school thing and, and, uh, you know, I was living in a frat house and, and it was just insane. Like the part, you know, the partying was crazy, but even that, like even being in that environment, I still felt isolated. I still, I still didn't, the way that I dressed it up in my mind wasn't what was really going on. And this is important to know, you know, you have to keep in mind that your mind, 
<laughs> you have to keep in mind that your mind try to figure that one out. Uh, you, you have to keep in mind that your the way that your thought process works, it, it is working against you. It's not working for you because we're just so conditioned and programmed to think a certain way about substances and think a certain way about having fun and being able to relax and all of these things, you know? So I really needed to come to terms with, okay, I have, I have had serious consequences from my addiction. Let me think about it, right? Like, what are the things that I've, what are the things that I've went through? And the truth of the matter is, from a young age, right? I mean, I got expelled from school for the first time when I was like 12. What was I in the sixth grade? How old are you in the sixth grade? I don't even know. What, what was I 12, 13 years old? Um, from from getting high on school grounds. Uh, trouble followed me throughout middle school. In high school, the first time I was a, a when I was a freshman, like within the first couple months, I think I think within two months, I was expelled from from school again. And it just goes on and on and on. I mean, within <laughs> within four months of me having my license, I had two DUIs. Like how much fucking fun, <laughs> how much fun was I having? <laughs> the, the, conse the consequences were everywhere. And so it doesn't even need to be, this is the funny part. It doesn't even need to be um, trouble and um, with with the law or trouble in school, really, what matters is is how do you feel? How do you feel inside? Like, what type of turmoil are you going through emotionally, um, or that you went through when you were getting high? Like, what type of physical shape were you in? You know, how are you spiritually? How are you feeling inside about yourself? Because the law is not going to be, you know, your rap sheet is not a clear indicator of if you have a problem or not. So I had to think about where I was towards the end. You know, the fact that I was living in a, in a real shit neighborhood, um, doing things that just no 20 year old should be doing. You know what I'm saying? When I was 19, I got in trouble for, for a robbery. Like what? Like I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't brought up that way. I wasn't brought up to go into a freaking uh, gas station and, and basically, you know, demand demand the money from the register. That's fucking insane. Like that isn't that is madness, and that that is where my addiction brought me. And I'm not blaming. Um, I, I do want to be clear. I take accountability for all the trouble that I got in. And it was clear. I, it's not like I'm like, oh, the drugs did that. I don't believe in that. I, you have to take accountability for the things that you did. However, my motivation behind doing those things were definitely fueled by drugs or money or, um, you know, all these things to get it to get what I wanted. And what I wanted was clear. My motive was obviously very clear. Um, quote unquote partying drugs and alcohol turned me into somebody that I never wanted to become. So how much romanticizing can I really be? Um, can I really believe? Like, how can I dress something up that impacted me in such a negative way? How can I make it look so enticing? And that's what we do. You have to realize that our mind it, it's almost like I wish 
our our addictive mindset, right? It has a different voice. I wish it had a different voice because then we'd easily be able to detect um, what is what side of our mind is really speaking to us. You know what I mean? And what I mean by that is, um, we have our true selves. You know what I'm saying? The the our instincts, our intuition of what we know we have to do, the things that we need to do to become better people, to grow in life, to contribute, to, you know, we want to build meaningful relationships with people. Um, there's a side of us that knows that there are certain things that we have to do in order to have a fruitful life, you know? And then there's the other side of us that feeds into our ego and feeds into our wants instead of what we actually need. And it's really hard to, to distinguish the two, you know, there, there, it's a tough thing to navigate, especially when you're so early on in recovery, and you're just starting this new lifestyle, because your mindset is attached to the way that you used to live and the way that you, you know, the way that you used to think and, and all that we're very we're um, structured animals, you know, so it would be a lot easier for people like us, if we could tell which voice it is that is speaking to us. A lot of times we think we're making the right decision based off of what we think is best for us. And it's not, it's not best for us. A lot of times it's the voice that um, is going to lead us back to our old habits and routines and doing the same shit that we always did. And so if I wanted to get different results, I had to start thinking differently. I needed to start taking different actions and I needed to start recognizing that my mind is working against me. So maybe I need to listen to people that have some better insight, have some better um, knowledge of this process, you know, and that's the point where I got to towards the end. Like I knew I was cooked. I knew that basically I did not know how to live my own life, that I sucked. I was a, I sucked at making my own choices. I was a poor decision maker in my own life. And that is a tough hit to the, to the, that's a blow to the ego. You know, it's not easy to sit with that and realize that this is my truth, that I'm just not capable of you know, making my own choices towards a healthy, successful future right now. And that's temporary. That's not forever. You know what I mean? The hard part is getting to that humble beginning, getting to that point where, oh, okay, I'm going to take a step back. And I'm going to realize, like, I can't, I can't do it this way anymore. And I don't know which way is up. I don't know which way is down or side to side. I just, I need somebody else to take the steering wheel a, a little bit. And being in that humble spot and accepting help is huge. It does so much, you know? And, and it all starts with getting honest with ourselves about the consequences of our, of our past and not being not being fooled by the shiny, you know, the shiny uh, coin, if you want to call it that, you know, the thing that looks enticing, but it's it's going to lead you down, down the rabbit hole. Um, 
And, and this is why I do talk about a support network so much because I really would not be where I am if I, if I, if I did not take direction from people. I just know this for a fact, you know, I don't care what it is that you do in your recovery, as long as you're doing something to put yourself around winners. I mean, a huge part of our results in life, I don't care if you have a problem with addiction or not, uh, whatever you want to achieve in life, you have to surround yourself with the type of people that you want to eventually become. How do you learn how to fish? Well, the best way to learn how to fish is to get teamed up with a fisherman and have him mentor you and have him teach you how to fish. You don't want him to catch a fish for you. You know, the idea, uh, here's an ambulance going by. Yeah, you're going to hear that quite a bit because I'm too lazy to cut and edit my shit. I have no patience for that. <laughs> so you're going to have to bear through it with me. Um, you, 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 want, you want to learn how to fish. You know, you don't want things done for you. And, and the recovery is the same way. Like it's not, it's, it, it's about living a different way. And how do you do that? You learn from people who have changed their life, you know, and eventually someday you'll be able to contribute that hopefully to people who are all, who also need help. So, um, I, I think like just being aware, just being aware that your mind is not your friend is a big thing, you know, and you got to ask yourself, like, what is it that I truly miss? What is it that I, if you're getting cravings, you're getting urges and, um, you're, you're not being honest with yourself about your use, like just stop and ask, like, what is it that I actually miss about getting high? What is so fucking <laughs> attractive about this option? And if you're being honest, if you're being true to yourself, you're not going to come up with many good answers. A lot of it is fear-based. There always comes, it always comes down to fear. You know, the, the reason why we get high one way or another, I mean, many people get high for different reasons, but what it breaks down to is that there is some type of pain. There is some type of fear that you're trying to get away from, to get to escape from. And, you know, and for me, I, I was a very angry kid as a young kid. I was, I was angry as hell. And, and what I came to find out as I got older and I got into recovery and I started to work on my, my true core issues was whatever, wherever anger is prevalent, there's always fear underneath it. You know, anger is just a cover emotion. So I found out some things that I, that I truly feared. I was fear, I was fear. And I didn't know this when I was young. Right. And even when I was getting high, but it was just the truth. Like I was fearful of being who I was. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know how to be comfortable in my own skin, even though I got along with, with everybody. Like I was a pretty social kid, you know, like I wasn't awkward and, and I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't like strange or anything like that. I got along with everybody, all types of groups, but the, the fear of being who I truly was, was still there. I just did not have the confidence to, um, to be myself. I was constantly looking to looking for the approval, right? How can I make, how can I make people laugh? How can I be the class clown? How, you know, I got to be a badass, right? Getting in trouble and, and being a wise ass and not accepting authority and, 
And it was all, you know, it was all fear and ego driven. But if you were to tell me that then when I was, you know, 13, 14, 15 to 18, you know, and so on, I would have said fearful. I would have said, what the hell are you talking about? I said, I would say I wasn't fearful of anything. You know, you're crazy. And the truth is, is that there's a lot going on underneath the surface that we can recognize. And that's what recovery gives us, right? It gives us the, the ability to actually be able to look at ourselves, to, to actually work on ourselves and get to the root of the problem, you know? And so, um, but lying to ourselves and ignoring um, the, the clear problems that have been there before and the mountain of evidence is, uh, is really just doing yourself a disservice, you know? I think a lot of a lot of kids who are younger getting into recovery too. Like I like I used as the example before, you might think, man, like I just want to hang out with my friends and and I want to be able to like be normal, you know, like the, like I said earlier. And the thing is, is like, okay, is that is that your reality though? What happens when you go and do these things? What happens when you go and and you start going on a bender and it ends up in it ends up in disaster more times than not. So what is it that you're actually trying to accomplish here? And the truth is that it's there's something that you're trying there's a void that you're trying to fill. There's something that you're not comfortable with. And, and it's packaged in FOMO, right? The fear of missing out. It's packaged in this attractive um, solution to your temporary discomfort. But the truth is, is that it's, it's not sustainable for people like you and I. And we need to understand that. We need to come to grips with that. Because every time, because when, listen, when you don't accept reality for what it is, you're going to get humbled at some point. You know, you can, you can, you can try to ignore uh, the, the, the consequences uh, of of your reality but what it is ignorance is not bliss you know eventually we're going to pay the price and the truth of the matter is is nobody comes into sobriety on the wings of glory and i and i always like that phrase because it's so true it's like the reason why you even contemplate getting sober to begin with is because your instincts know that you're not doing the right thing that alone right there is your truth that let that be your let that be your guideline pay attention to that voice more than the other one you know um so listen um i i hope uh i hope you guys got something from this episode and um and again just you know if you're ever really struggling you're having cravings like talk about it with people but if you're if you're in a position to reflect and be honest with yourself just come to that conclusion. Like what, what is it that I'm actually like making it? You know what I mean? What am I, what am I making this out to be? And you'll come to the realization that what it is that you're fantasizing and what you think it's actually going to be is more times than not the truth. You know, we're very deceptive people. We can lie to ourselves very easily. And so, um, so listen, I hope everybody has a fantastic day and, um, and, uh, just keep it one day at a time. You know what I'm saying? Keep it real simple.
All right, guys. I'll see you on the next one.